Today's reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, and that's on page 1002 of your church Bibles. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send you my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist (coughs) appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Neville. Well, should we pray together? Uh, Lord Almighty, you wrap yourself in light and darkness uh, tries to hide. Lord, what a privilege it is to gather now before your word and have you speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me give you the microphone. Lord, that you would help the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. And do just that, to show us, Jesus, that the darkness may be chased away in our hearts. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would bless this time now as we open up your word uh, for your glory. Amen. 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 Um, So I'm told that you're used to a sermon of about 50 minutes, so I'm excited to be doing... (laughs) Honestly, this may be cut a bit short and not totally finished. Um, There's no uh, handout, uh, there are no pictures. I hope in the future there will be, but it has been a bit of a week. But what you do have is better, which is the Word of God in front of you. So please keep that page open, 1002, as we start this new series together, where I hope and pray that we will be thrilled by Jesus thrilled by Jesus is what I'm hoping. It's been a week of uh, big shocks, hasn't it? It's been a week of great sadness. Uh, The Queen said uh, once that grief is the price uh, we pay for love. And if we feel grief, it's because we loved her. And if we feel grief at those that we're reminded that we've lost today, it's because we love them. And that is normal and good. And so the shock might be very personal for you today, or it might be more abstract in just wondering about how can there be more turmoil in our life at the minute? Because there is a lot, isn't there? It's, it's an anxious time. And if you're someone who comes here today and you are feeling worried about the world, it's understandable. There's global turmoil with the war in Ukraine, which some of us know very personally having Ukrainians here with us. There's national turmoil, there's political leadership changes, there's cultural turmoil as we see what the Queen stood for, kind of disappearing and new values in a sort of Harry and Meghan type way coming in. There's spiritual turmoil, isn't there? We've had huge leadership failures recently. But also for you personally, you must miss the shepherds an enormous amount. That's a lot to go through. 
And then also there might just be the turmoil of home. Will you heat or will you eat? How will I uh, recover from the debt? How will I get through the next heating bill? There's a lot to worry about, isn't there? And the Queen's death comes as a shock. As uh, Keir Starmer put it, other politicians are available, he says the Queen's death robs our country of its stillest point, its greatest comfort at precisely a time when we need those things the most. He's right, isn't he? We long for a leader who will be that still point, who will cope with all this turmoil, who will be faithful as our Queen was, who will uh, bring us some kind of joy and hope at these times. And the good news is, uh, brothers and sisters, we have that in Jesus. Because we're going to see today that Jesus is our good news. He's a person. And I hope we're going to see as well that the way that we enjoy him is through his word and through repentance, which sounds a bit odd maybe at the beginning. But let's dive in with the context of the book of Mark, which we're given in our opening verse, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. This book was written very shortly after Jesus' death to a bunch of Romans who were living with the turmoil, uh, Roman Christians living with the turmoil of, of uh, Roman rule, some of the emperors were pretty wacky. Uh, they were also living with persecution. And, and the third generation are starting to wonder, if you're a teenager here, starting to wonder, is this stuff really true? And so these words are written to them to assure them of what do we see in verse 1? That there is good news, and that good news is about a person, Jesus, and that person, Jesus, is the Messiah, and most important, the Son of God. We're going to come back to that in Mark all the time. And that's what makes him thrilling that he is that leader that we want. He's better than any leader we've ever known or had. So let's dive in and see that good news. Verse 1 is also the content of what we're going to see, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. He is our good news. And what we're given there is that that person, our Lord and Saviour, is given three titles uh, that are expanded in this passage and help us understand why he is good news, who this person is that is coming. So very briefly, you get the way it breaks up as the introduction in verse 1, and then in verse 2, can you see what it says there? As it is written, and a prediction is made, and that prediction is, at the end of verse 3, uh, prepare the way for the Lord. The prediction is God is coming. And then in verse 4, we get the rest of it, which says, and so... And guess what? That prediction is fulfilled. The Lord is coming. But as we go through that, we begin to see a little bit who this person is and why they're good news. Let's go through those headings, shall we? Those names. Verse 1. He's called Jesus. The name on the tin is Jesus. And the name on the tin is God saves. Jesus is a Greek form of a Hebrew, which just means, Joshua, God saves. It's a straight-out declaration of who is coming and what they're about. And we get a little bit more of that in verses 2 and 4. At verses 2 and 4 is a little quote, which is actually three quotes. They're centuries-old predictions that God himself would come. And they're being tied here to Jesus 
Uh, and the three quotes are supposed to act a, a, a little bit like sort of hearing a, hearing a song that reminds you of someone. Perhaps, you know, in a film, you hear a, a someone, the hero, is longing for their mum to turn up. And at the beginning, we heard her sing a lullaby. And then halfway through, you hear the lullaby. <gasps> Mum's going to come. But the lullaby also tells you something about what type of mum is coming, doesn't it? And it's the same here. There are three notes. But here's the first one that just backs up that title, Jesus, God Saves. The first one there, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare uh, your way, comes from Exodus 23, when the angel of the Lord is said that he will come and lead God's people out of slavery and out of a desert place to the promised land. It's a picture of being saved for heaven. Jesus is God saves. He is the power to save us to be in heaven. I don't know if you've seen there's a picture going round with the Queen walking away with Paddington Bear. And Paddington Bear is saying, don't worry, Mum, I'll take you off to see Prince Philip. It's lovely, isn't it? And I love Paddington Bear. But Paddington Bear does not have the power to save, does he? But what we're learning here is Jesus does. He is the God who comes with the power to save. The next title that we have is, is that Jesus is the Messiah, verse 1. And that's picked up again in the next quote. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. The Messiah simply means, if, you don't, if you've never heard of it before, there's no reason why you should. Oh, good, we've got a fire alarm. That's why, don't, why, don't we, why don't we just pause, take a moment to pray, uh, and then we'll get back, uh, get back into the Word. Oh, Lord God, we put this fire system before you. Lord, we thank you for... Um, all the safety systems that we have and Lord this reminder that we live in a broken world where things sometimes don't work and that fires are dangerous and Lord thank you that you provided that for us and I pray Lord that you'd help us to focus now as we come back to your word uh, and be thrilled uh, by you. Amen. 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 Great. So Jesus, God saves this thrilling person that is coming, this great leader. But Messiah simply means God's chosen rescuing forever king. A king who is turning up in order to serve his people by dying on the cross for them, for their sins. In Isaiah 53, we read of that suffering servant, don't we? He who was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. Isn't it great that we have here coming to us a king in Jesus who has come to serve us by dying on the cross? How our queen knew that and lived that out. And that's picked up again in, in, that, uh, in that quote, uh, a voice, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. It's a picture in Malachi 3, verse 1, a beautiful picture uh, of uh, God not being served, but turning up and serving his people by refining them like precious silver and removing all the sin and transgression and mess from their lives and making them a shiny, brilliant, perfect community. What a leader. Not even our queen could do that for us, could she? We were still such a mess. But one day, that will be finalised by God in us. But also we read in verse 1 that Jesus is the Son of God. He is a divine creator, perfect in holiness, to whom uh, you and I, everyone, owes every breath. We owe an account for everything we've done and said and feel and looked at. 
That's who it is that is coming to us. Someone far, far above any leader we've ever known. And that's picked up in in the last line there of verse 3. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths for him. It is the Lord who is coming. And do you know how he comes in that quote? You might be worried that that kind of God is coming. But if you read that story in Isaiah 43, the first words that you will read are comfort, my people, comfort. The Lord comes proclaiming the forgiveness of your sins. He comes to bring comfort, telling us that our sins are paid for. What a God that comes to us in Jesus. Jesus is good news. He is the good news himself because he is that God who saves, that king who totally renews, and that God who comes to declare to us that our sins are forgiven. He comes to serve, dying on the cross, so that we might know him in that way. And John the Baptist's actions in verse 4 onwards, as we're told how God's prediction coming is fulfilled so we can be assured that it is God that is coming, John's actions, everything that he does, are rubbing that in for us. God really did say he's coming, and look, here are the things happening to show that he's arrived. Some of them are a bit weird, like who wears clothes with camel hair and eats locust and honey. The purpose of that is it should instantly remind us of an Old Testament promise, a character. A bit like if I was to bring in someone who was slightly overweight, had a cigar and put a V up. You would say, well, that's Churchill, and so victory is here, kind of thing. Well, here we're supposed to see in John the Baptist, Elijah, who was promised that he would come again on the day that God himself would come. So can you see how he's fulfilling? He's showing that actually it's true. God is here. But here's an insight I'd love to share with you, is that actually... He also gives us an insight into why the coming of Jesus is such good news. Do you notice what he does? What's he doing with everyone? What's his concern? Have a look down. He appears in the wilderness. He's preaching a baptism. That's kind of a washing through of water to sort of purify yourself. About what? The repentance of forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside go out and they're baptised by him. What are they doing? They're confessing their sins. His concern is with our mess and our guilt and our shame, that's what he's worried about, isn't it? And then as he thinks on that and as he's concerned with that, look how he describes the coming of Jesus. Verse 7, he says, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. John the Baptist is not worthy to touch the muddy boots of this Jesus who is coming. Well, if he's not worthy of it, then who is? I don't pretend to be any more holy or godly than John the Baptist. He's aware of his sin, isn't he? That he's not worthy to touch this person. But let me show you something wonderful. Look what this person does for us. Verse 8. I baptise you with water, says John, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. I am not worthy to touch the mud on Jesus' boots. But Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't just touch John. He touches all people who are willing to repent. And he doesn't just touch them. He pours out his Holy Spirit on them so that we might be made clean and pure once For always. We don't need to go and be washed all the time. It's one baptism. 
so that we might have God with us in God the Spirit. How thrilling to have a leader who'd come and do that for us. How thrilling. Jesus is the good news. As we meet Jesus in these words that were given to us and the words of the Old Testament that are given to us to meet him, we find that our good news is a person. And that good news is highlighted as we consider our sin, as we consider our need for repentance. That's when we see, isn't it, how brilliant he is. And my question to you is, what is your good news? It's a question I want you to ask yourselves, but also ask those around you. What is your good news? If you ask that of an atheist, what can they say? An event or a thing that comes and goes? That's terrible. If you ask that of any other religion, listen carefully to what they say, and I guarantee you it will not match up to having your creator with you by his spirit, having already been forgiven today, now, already done in the past. No other religion has good news like that. You see, for Christians, our good news is a person who is with me even though I'm a sinner because they've forgiven me. That is our good news. And nothing changes that. Nothing that you've done or you will do. Nothing that happens in the world. And we have that person, that mighty person to save, that king who loves us and dies for us, that God who has washed us clean once and forever. He is with us in every way. I'm very keen on the Rend Collective, particularly on a song called Rescuer, and they have a little clip at the beginning of it of a Welsh preacher who says this. My accent's not very good. There's so much bad news in the world today. But no matter what, we have good news, and that good news has a name, and that name is Jesus. I wish I was Welsh. It carries much more punch. <laughs> but think on this. No Jesus, no good news. Think on this. If Christianity leaves you cold, have you met the good news that is Jesus? Have you thought on actually... In, in his word, have you thought on actually how your sin interacts with that? Have you seen how precious it is that he forgives you? That's the challenge for us, isn't it? Will we recognize Jesus in this word and in our repentance? There's a lovely story about the queen being out on uh, the estate at Balmoral with her um, a bodyguard. And some American tourists are walking across the, the, the what do you call it, heather? And they see the queen and the bodyguard, and they say, uh, they know the queen lives there, so they say, oh, uh, we hear the queen lives here. Have you met her? And quick as a flash, the queen says, uh, no, I haven't, but Rick has, pointing to the bodyguard. And so the bodyguard says, uh, so they turn to the bodyguard, and they say, so what's the queen like? And he says, well, she can be a bit cantankerous, but she's got a good sense of humour. <laughs> and they're thrilled to discover someone who's met the Queen. So they, they want to have a selfie with, with the bodyguard. So they give the phone to the Queen. And she takes a picture of the, of the bodyguard and the Queen. Uh, and then, of course, because they don't want to be rude, they have a picture with her in it as well. And as they're walking away, the Queen says to Rick, the bodyguard, I would love to be a fly on the wall when they get home and show that to someone who knows who I am. <laughs> but the danger is we're just like that with Jesus, that we miss who he is, in which case we've missed out on the joy. 
just like those tourists did. But you know, there's another danger. There's a danger that we're so familiar with how thrilling Jesus is and how great he is that we're like the bodyguard. We're so busy serving and doing and being around that we just forget how brilliant it is to be stuck on a piece of moorland with this amazing woman. Just the two of us, where he can hear all her words and know her and be known by her. I think that's a danger for us, isn't it, if we've known the Lord for a while? And the answer, what do we do about that? How do we recognise the God? We come to his words, that's how we recognise the good news that is Jesus, and we repent. The text drives that, doesn't it? It's why these words are here. It's why John the Baptist is so concerned with repentance. And so listen, if you want to meet Jesus, come to the words of God here in Mark. Join this series as we go through Mark and we're thrilled by who Jesus is. If you're a Christian and you're just feeling a bit spiritually dry, then can I encourage you to get engaged with the word again? Get your Bible open. Get to home group. Sign up to that because that is where you will meet this thrilling Lord Jesus. If you're someone who is feeling out of place here, or you're suffering, or you're feeling anxious, you've got very real troubles, many of us do, then you need this good news, don't you? So meet with this good news. Get off your phone and the doom scrolling. And you, can't, you can't meet with someone, can you, when you're on your phone looking at the news? You've got to be there with them, hearing their words. Get your Bible out. And if you're a teenager, can I just... I've found this difficult sometimes, that you... When you're, you're growing up, you're trying to work out what the best thing is to do. What's the right answer with, with, with faith and stuff, aren't you? But don't forget that first and foremost, we're here to meet a person and to love them. Get your Bible out and don't just get answers, but meet a person. But also we meet Jesus and see how thrilling he is here in repentance. Can I put it to you that Jesus is most thrilling when we see our sin clearly? And we see clearly that it is in his hands, not in ours. It's on his shoulders and not on ours. And we behold the Son of God carrying that for us. That is when he's most thrilling. So if you're feeling spiritually dry, how is your repentance going? Because it's when you repent and you go to God and you see your sin in the marks in Jesus' hand and on his shoulders that you think, yes, Lord. That your heart is fanned with an affection and a delight for God. It's not easy to do, is it? Because when it comes to our sin, we like to deny it. And and we're ashamed of it. But I want you to repent shamelessly. Because there is no shame with Jesus. He's taken it all. That's our son of God and that's how thrilling he is. Let me leave you with... Uh, a vision of how this works because I think the Queen was a vision of someone who persevered through energy crises, wars, pandemics, personal loss, cultural shifts, failures. She wasn't perfect, was she? But she persevered through all of that. And she said this, as we heard in the video, for me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. She had good news, and that good news was a person. And that person walked with her, and she lived with that person. And that kept her going. Her faith wasn't in herself. Her faith wasn't in her governments. Her faith wasn't in her people. Her faith was in her saviour. What an example for us to live by. 
have had personal experience of this this morning as we sat at the uh, kitchen table, both about to burst into tears, with no idea really what we're doing. Oh, just a wonderful word in season. The good news that you have is Jesus Christ, and he is with you, even though you're a sinner, to guide you and to strengthen you for all you've got to do today. Praise God for that. So why not ask one another over coffee, hey, what are you loving about Jesus at the minute? Because he's our good news. He's what's thrilling. What are you enjoying about Jesus at the minute? Let's pray. Lord God, we are uh, blown away that you would provide us sinners far less worthy than John the Baptist with such good news. We praise you and we glorify you uh, that you have come to be with us, uh, that we might see our sin clearly born in the wounds of your hands and side on the cross. We praise you and we glorify you. Amen. Amen.